Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. We got the crucial conversation edition. I'm Don Wetrick. I'm Jamal Crook. All right, Jamal, it's February. And we know a lot of times February was talking about love. By the way, next week, we're going to be talking about love. But today, we're going to talk about you lost that love and feeling. How do you get the passion back in teaching? And let me st- start it off with this, Jamal. First of all, I'm assuming that we, first, I'm assuming that sometimes you lose passion in education. This can technically be a podcast for more than educators, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. a lot of times just your zeal and your, you know, will on, on, on the work that you do might be waning, especially if you're not living in Florida or California. <laughs> I, right now it is dead of winter for me. Um, but let's, let's get into how you get that zest back, how you get that mindset back to loving what you do. Okay. Yeah. Let, let, let me kick this one off. So first, so first, what I want to say is I do not believe in an emotional driven, um, productivity, if you will, if, if, if number one, if passion is the thing that we look for to really drive us. Um, I think I think we may have a misconception of what we are really passionate about. So humor me here. The Beatles, right? One of the, the best selling um, groups, artists of all time, right? Everybody knows who the Beatles are. Um, I know who the Beatles are. I wasn't even born when the Beatles were... Um, popular, right? I do not believe they were passionate about every single part of what they had to do. I believe that they they spent about 5% of what they, uh, I, I believe they spent about 5% of their time doing something that they were passionate about. 95% of the time, they did things that they did not want to do. I'm sure they didn't want to sit in business meetings ARs and executives working out deals. I'm sure they didn't like riding on the tour bus. I'm sure they didn't like tuning their guitars. I'm sure that there are a lot of things that they did not like to do, right? But they were passionate about performing and playing their songs and, and doing what they really enjoy, but they only got to do that about 5% of the time. I'm just throwing out a number, but it was fairly disproportionate to the time that they had to do all the things that they did not like to do. Now put that into the realm of wherever you are, right? And we think about what are we really passionate about? We say, well, I'm passionate about teaching. I'm passionate about being a doctor. I'm passionate about this. Um, and I, and I want to challenge your thinking a little bit. Are you really passionate about those things or did you identify those things to be the best way to do what you're really passionate about, like spending time with your family, being able to afford do things Mm. that you really desire to do outside of work. Because if you were really passionate about work, why plan your retirement? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, as usual, you made me pause to think that you're wrong. Uh, but then it's like, you built up a good argument. So, you know, you and I are similar, but we're also fantastically different in the sense that I am 
you are measured and you like data and I am impulsive and I'm driven by emotion. <laughs> so, um, so I'm in some ways I'm the opposite, but I think what we're both usually gravitating towards is you're right. Harnessing some of that energy, but knowing what your passions truly are true. Especially when I was teaching, you know, before the innovation class, I was a middle school teacher and I, I taught sixth grade English and then seventh grade English. And while I was passionate about the kids, there were some units that I was less than passionate about, but I had to write, you're right. I had to be measured through it. Um, but, but let me start there with you, Jamal, even on the things like I hear that sometimes teach and actually I know cause I talk to teachers and I am still one of them when teacher morale is low, they are usually from external stimuli. Right. They're like, I have to, you know, teach this damn test. I have to do this unit that I don't want to do. So how do you, and, and, and I, I get what you're saying. You don't have to be passionate about everything, but how do you enjoy your job when you're told all the time to teach the test and you start having to go over things that you don't feel are important? I, I think, I think you can't put your joy into things that change all of the time. I was talking to a teacher last night. As a matter of fact, um, she was my my PE coach. She did a lot for me. Um, I would mention her name, but I don't have permission. But I I, I met I was at Mission Barbecue picking up food for my family last night. I saw her, and she asked me what I was doing. I told her about you know the change and the transition in my life, and she was like, you know what the district is doing now? You know they're 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 doing away with failing Fs, right? Basically, what she was saying is, if a kid gets a, if if a kid gets two Ds, in, in per semester, that the final exam really doesn't count for anything. They 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 will still pass the class, right? And and for her, and and for, and for most people, that's something that changed because you know if a kid gets two Ds and they fail the test, they should effectively fail the class. And then she went on to talk about well how that impacts graduation rates and it's a positive thing and. Da, 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 da. What we do a lot of times is we put our hope and our trust in things that are temporal, that change, that are temporary, that can change at the drop of a dime. And we get all bent out of shape about those things. Right. But the, the key to really keeping your personal morale up is to find really the things outside that make you happy. Right. Um, and, and, and doing those things and realizing that you go into work and you are supposed to do a good job. You're supposed to put your heart in it, but it goes back to making sure that you are emotionally stable enough. So that way, no matter what comes your way, your hope was never in, you know, the school system because the school system will let you down. Your hope was never in your principal because your principal is a human. He'll let you down. Your hope is never in your boss because, He'll let you down. All, all of the things outside of, of, of you will let you down. So what you have to do is really focus on things that make you happy outside of what you do. So that way, when things change where you are, you can be emotionally stable, which in turn will make you more happy. That's a really good point. Uh, mm. Well, I, I I was starting to like do mental inventory of the teachers that I know have that fire inside, and you're exactly correct. They're happy in their lives. 
Right. Matter of fact, when I, when, when I, when I wrote my book, my favorite quote for always and never will be my dad's, my dad's advice to me, you know, and I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a teacher. And, you know, because he was a lifelong educator and he never, ever complained about education. He really didn't. But he said, you know, Donnie, I don't care if you teach for the you know, next 20 years, but don't teach one year 20 times. And then I wrote in my book that I, I witnessed a teacher who literally embodied that. He was getting out dittos. And I mean dittos. This predates your birth, Jamal. But know, dittos used to be a ditto did. machine. And he <laughs> had dittos from the, 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 the early 80s because he, he ran off one packet and he got his, he got his year out from the closet. And every year they use, you couldn't write on it because they were too sacred and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so like the, and I hate to say this, the kids didn't like his class because he didn't like his class. He, hmm. didn't, he, I, I, and I feel like I'm not, I'm not passing judgment, but he was complaining all the time about kids today don't respect my class. And, and I almost wanted to yell, I'm like, you don't respect your class. Mm-hmm. You're bored. Right. You know, e- even even the snake that's in a tank likes for you to jiggle the rat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if it's the same thing, by the way, thank you for laughing at that metaphor. But like, it, you've got to mix it up, my man. And he didn't. And so when you have fundamentally unhappy people, it does transfer. And, and that's not to say, oh, I don't want to take any emails of people that being angry. Like, well, I can't help it that I'm angry. Or, you know, my marriage is failing and all sorts of stuff. I, I, I get it. I do. But I, I agree with you. If you want to have uh, uh, more passion in your career, I totally agree with you, Jamal. The passion doesn't have to start with your career. It has to start with the happiness of your life. Right. So, so I, I tell students this all the time. And and this uh, deviates a little bit from it, but I'm from our topic. But I'm connected. Things don't happen to you; they happen because of you. And I think I think we live in a society sometimes where we can easily become victims. Right? The school system is doing me wrong, or this entity is doing me wrong. The HR, the boss, this, that, other, and the third. But but truly, truly, you have full control over everything that happens to you and everything really starts in your mind it's it's really what you think if you're unhappy at home in your personal life when you get to school and one thing tries you or triggers you it's it's a snowball effect because i'm already unhappy at home i already have all of these things all, all of these different things going on and my boss just said to go do this and i don't really feel like doing that so now I'm in anger, I'm going to lose it or I'm going to quit or I'm going to whatever. But it really starts with with us. I'd be I'd be interested to see the statistics on people who um, if we did like a poll or a survey to see how many people are happy at home or within themselves first and see how they view their work life balances. As a matter of fact, you said something um, that you do. Um, you journal every night. And I remember you talking to me about um, uh, gratitude, right? Yes. Think, think about, think about like, if you're listening to this, I want you to pause and think about 10 things you are grateful for. All right. 
So especially, I'll, especially if you roll out of bed, that's a right. great practice. Right. So watch this. I, I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do three things. I'll do. I'm grateful for my children that they're all healthy. I'm grateful for my wife. She's still beautiful. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to be a principal. And I don't take it lightly in educating children. Right now, if you did this exercise with me, I want you to think about, um, I, I want you to, I want you to try to be upset. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like literally starting getting lost, getting lost in that, but so you bring up a good point. So hmm, I hate, I hate to say this. Like I will, I've seen trolls and sometimes they're well-intentioned people. I'm sure they are, but I've seen um, some people trying to be positive online. And then I see people saying, how could you possibly po be positive with, and then they'll explain their reason, you know, uh, and, and, and I'm saying like, everybody has, everybody has their perspective. And I understand that like, you know, um, let me start with political. How could you possibly be happy with that man in the white house? Or how could you possibly be happy with the conditions we have at our school? Or how could you possibly be happy with institutionalized fill in your whatever ism, racism, sexism, patriarchy, all these other things. And so like, while I acknowledge that bad things exist, I, I choose to, like you said, start off my day finding the positive. You know, the allegory of the cave, uh, man's search for meaning. Uh, there's tons of people out there that have worst, among the worst conditions ever, and yet they chose to focus on growth and happiness. Right. I have a so, perfect example just okay. before you keep going. Madam C.J. Walker. Indianapolis native BT dubs. Go ahead. Right. Madam C.J. <laughs> Walker. I, I, I don't... I, I, I may get this first fact wrong. I believe she was born uh, into a slave family, right? Or, or uh, some, something to that effect. She had, she had every reason not to become the first black female millionaire, right? Or forget black anything. She was the first female millionaire in America, right? Um, she had every excuse not to be. The institution was against her men were against her men of her own um ethnicity were against her she probably had family problems this problem that problem but i'm sure that within herself none of that mattered i have this idea i have this product and it's going to help people doesn't matter if you don't like it i'm going to keep moving forward so so when when we when we look at that the 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 passion that that we seek is really it really has to come from within like you can't put your trust in other people or other things because those things like i said are temporal and i'm gonna keep saying that no i i agree i and, and i think this is you know circling back to your passion and, and your job um it's funny like we're, start, <laughs> we're starting to take a left turn of the passion starts with not your job so then you can make it a better job. But just for the sake of argument, saying that you're trying to right the ship, let's just say, because I mean, and, and this is where people either call me or DM me and say, okay, but Don, but here's my experience. 
I can't help it that my husband now is a, you know, unemployed, alcoholic, not happy himself, blah, blah, blah. And I, man, do I know bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. How do you still dig deep? And I gave examples of husband. I mean, same thing. It could be your wife that's unhappy. I, I, I shouldn't just limit it to one. But, mm-hmm. um, but for you to rekindle that love affair that you first had, what are some practical steps for you to recharge and find that original spark? I think, I think, okay, so, so just going back to the initial argument, finding something outside that makes you really happy. Like getting, like having friends, like going, going out and like for me, like it's basketball. There's nothing, you know, like hobby. Like I think I'm, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, like I, I like I do something where my mind can disengage from the the normal world. I can run, I can jump, I can even argue a little bit, you know, and get some frustration off, right? Just to blow some steam off. I, it's I have I have a hobby, right? Um, and then from there, you know, some whatever you believe in. Some people call it prayer, meditation, you know, focus. I I, I you know, per, tend to tend to pray. Now leave that there, um, and then and then from there, you know, you if you have a family, spending time with them because sometimes we build up frustration because we don't we're, we're not effective in every single thing or every part of our lives. But just give it a little bit of time, and over time, you'll you'll grow into whatever it is, and then. Don't have such unrealistic expectations of your work environment or yourself. Sometimes we set too high expectations. And and trust me, I'd rather get tripped by a high bar than a low bar any day. But if you're you're saying that, man, I'm going to have 100% of my students pass the state examination this year and you are teaching, or I'm going to generate a million dollars in income in a week. These are really great goals. And if you could, I mean, more power to you if you if you if you do those things. And there are some people who can achieve those things, but they're outliers. It's not the norm. So we set expectations on an outlier scale. Yes. And that discourage and, and it's discouraging when you don't hit that because mm-hmm. you really believe that you can do those things. And it's not saying that you can't, but give it some time. And yeah. and and realistically, time. Things take time and i think if you made patience a practice and just waited for things to to come to you as opposed to always trying to overtake everything if you're good at what you do you get along with people time you just brought up a really good point especially and i'll say that because sometimes i am a contributor of this guilt or feelings of less than because the social media environment took off, especially, well, for everybody, but educators started to embrace Twitter, sometimes Facebook, sometimes uh, Instagram. All of a sudden we created this, uh, what some people usually unlovingly call the edu celebrity. (laughs) And that caused some feelings of inadequacy. Now, Mm -hmm. sometimes because you're like, well, I could never do that. And, And to be fair, um, 
I fall in this category because I'll have people say, well, I, I want to do more th innovative things in the classroom, but I could never do what your kids did. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You heard about a couple of my kids. You didn't hear about the other 119. Hmm. You know, that kid, that kid got a patent. The other 119 did not. Right. Uh, you know, this this year was a banner year. The year before that, I don't want to talk about. And so giving yourself the opportunity to not constantly compare yourself, because, uh, you know, I was just laying in bed the other night talking to this with Alicia. She was talking about, you know, she sees, you know, Alicia sees teens, uh, you know, in her practice and OBGYN and, and kind of talks and counsels. And so she's like, Donnie, I've just been noticing a lot of, a lot of teens are, and of course she can't talk about specifics because of HIPAA laws, but she's like, are you seeing a notice? Are you noticing more teens that are anxious and, and, you know, and, and depressed? And then she's like, wait a second, actually more than just teens, adults too. And I go, yes. Mm -hmm. And here's in my humble opinion, why it's the constant comparison. When my grandpa, right. Would, if he pulled into the driveway with a decent car, and his next door neighbor pulled up in a Cadillac, it was conceivable that my, my grandpa might've been jealous of the Cadillac. You compared yourself, which what we called keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. You compared yourself to a handful of people, five, 10, maybe 20. Now we are comparing ourselves to no shortage of at least 5,000 people. Millions of people. So, right, so other so this edu celebrity thing, while I kind of like it to showcase what you can do, sometimes it's like, a, well, I can't do that. Um, I, I've seen some other teachers like, oh my gosh, I, like I'm intimidated by that. Full disclosure, when I first started teaching, well actually, when I first started doing broadcasting, I discovered who Don Goble was. And I didn't wanna like him, I didn't wanna talk to him, because he was putting out stuff that made my program look stupid. <laughs> and instead, I finally got the action of my librarian said, you should tweet this guy. He's probably really nice. And he was, thankfully. But the, there is that constant, and actually Don Cobley is, he's amazing. But, um, but that constant comparing yourself to the perfect classroom, you know, teachers of Instagram and mm -hmm. people that are on teacher pay teacher, all sorts of stuff. There's this, I've seen now this, this backlash of, oh, well, they're just showing off and they make me feel bad. Well, then, then turn it off. You right. know, like if you, if you're seeing it as like they're showboats, then turn it off. Like you don't have to constantly compare yourself. It's okay. You can say, I'm going to work with these 10 kids and get them up to par and just find some success in that. Right. And, 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 and I think we have to separate our task or our lots in life. Like I'm not that person. I'll never be that person, but I have grass over here. It may be a little brown, but I have seed. I have water. I have all the things necessary. And it's another thing I want to touch on. You know, we we talk about passion and our job or the love for it. First of all, love has nothing to do with how we feel, and I'll get to that in a second. But our passion, we 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 will go to our boss sometimes, and some people vote. I just don't feel the way that I used to feel anymore. Well, are you are you working the way you used to work? Right. Because here's here's my challenge to 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 your to your mind is this. You can you can. You can never feel your way into working, but you can work your way into feeling. Um, I'll say that again. I love that. You can never feel your way into working, but you can work your way into feeling.
right? And and over time, you will develop a passion for things. Listen, when I first started playing football, I hated it. As a matter of fact, the only reason I played was because I had nothing else. My friends played, so like, like I sucked at football. I, the first day I went out, I put my pads in wrong. I had the wrong size helmet. My whole mouth was exposed. So any of you football people, think about, you know, your face mask only covering up your eyes, right? And I go <laughs> play football with that. All of my friends laughed at me. <laughs> and it, it, I hated it. I quit, I, 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 I quit honorably my freshman year. But my friends kept playing. So I was like, man, I have to figure it out. And all I wanted to do was be around my friends. And you know what? I actually became good at it. And all of a sudden, I developed this passion for lighting people up, running through people. Like it, it became fun to me. Whereas I wasn't all of I wasn't the most aggressive guy. Right. And I correlate that into whatever you do. I mean, because there is a lot of parts about football that suck. One ten test. If, if, if you're listening to me and you've if you've ever played football and you've had a conditioning test before you can get your pass, that 110 test sucks. But when you get to about 15 and you know 16 is coming, there's this release of endorphins like never before. When you cross that finish line, you feel great. And then you look back and you know what you say? It wasn't that bad. And the next group that's coming out, you assure them like, man, it's, it's OK. You're going to survive. And then the feeling comes after the work. So my question to you is, if you've lost your passion for what you do, right, are you working the same way that you work? Because a lack of production can result in you feeling frustrated, which makes you feel inferior, which makes you, you know, retreat, which makes you, we can go on and on and on about all the emotions that just not being as productive as you once were can or working as hard as you once did can have on your mind which could mm. lead to a said loss of passion mm. i can't follow that up so i'm gonna wrap it up. <laughs> that was no like that was i like that i like that i i i, I agree um i have twice gone through what i call a crisis of meaning maybe a pit of despair and I had to adjust. Matter of fact, this is what it was a student that showed me this. Um, Jacob Rex, he's doing, he was like in some sales training. He says, Wetrick, I want to share something with you. And it's kind of like the archetype of everybody's career. And I'm like, what is that? He says, everybody starts off with uh, what does he call it? Uh, like uninformed optimism. Hmm. I'm going to change the world. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work. I'm going to change education. All these kids are going to pass. Then after a couple months, maybe it's a year, you get this informed pessimism. Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. <laughs> this is harder right. than I thought it was. <laughs> then you go into this pit of despair and crisis of meaning. So you go from, I'm going to change education to, no, I'm not, to what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. But then Jacob explained to me, he says, you know, little by little, you start setting some short-term goals. You assess where you're at. You try to, you know, healthier lifestyle. And all of a sudden, you start working your way up to informed optimism. Mm -hmm. Not uninformed. You know what you're up against. 
Mm-hmm. But setting small, measurable goals will then get you to that point, which we call sustained growth. And right. Sustained growth. And whether you are, like, I, I know this, people that are smart acknowledge that they're not smart, that they're always reading, that they're mm-hmm. always studying. And we in the education circuit call that lifelong learners. Yeah. And that's where I want to be. And that has renewed my faith in my in my career that I will never be the expert, but I'll always be the learner. And um, like you said, working that way into you loving it is everything. So, and, and, and I'll say this when I said love has nothing to do with how you feel. Love is a choice. Mm. So, you, so you're telling me, right. Let, let, I'll start with, you know, marriage is a perfect example. I love my wife. When I said my vows, I told, I said that I'd be with her through thick and thin for better or for worse. And you meant and, it. And I meant it. So, yep. so, so now, so now when I, when I feel, when I'm at my worst and I feel worst, right. And it's not better. Right. I choose to stay in my situation and fight for what I love. So, so no matter how I'm feeling, love is the choice to stay and fight, right? So you're telling me that the kids that you signed up for, right, that you said that you would teach, and you effectively took took the oath of a teacher, saying that you would you would look after those kids, and in the absence of their parents, you would treat them like you were their parent. You're telling me that those kids are now you're not passionate about them anymore. You don't love them anymore. You're you're not you're not into them anymore. Mm. Right. Because of because of something that the principal did. What about what about the lot? Think about all of the lives you impact. If you are a teacher and you you have a caseload of 200 kids every five years, you impact a thousand lives. Think about that. Mm. A thousand lives you impact and you're and you're sitting up there saying, well, I'm not passionate about that anymore. And then you retreat, you resign you behave in such a way you're impacting a thousand lives per year not only just that's just in your classroom now if you have a school with two three thousand kids in it those kids look to you they want to be like you they behave like you because the truth of the matter is before a child gets out of graduates high school they are going to act like their teachers you spend the most time with them you they, they they learn they they learn just they learn everything at school if you are a coach if you're somebody significant to that child they really want to be like you they go home and tell their parents i have this great teacher and this teacher this teacher how many times do you hear kids come and talk about their parents to the teacher it's, it's yeah. not as common mm. If you turn to page 158 of today's hymnal, our son, that, was a, that was awesome. Oh, Jamal, uh, even if we weren't recording these, I cherish you as a friend and I love your insights and you're always making me pause. Um, yeah, I love that. Hey, speaking of which, guys, uh, if you would like uh, to do us a favor, if you're enjoying these, A, thank you. Uh, B, share them if you want. Uh, C, we love the feedback. You can always go to facebook.com slash start ed up. You can leave us a post. Uh, here pretty soon, we're going to start looking for some guests. We wanted to get through January and February to kind of get our way and, and kind of feel out. But uh, we'd like to have on uh, some guests. Matter of fact, 
a, a lady would be nice because we're two dudes talking. Um, <laughs> we're not limited to just to this ladies, but uh, we, we would like, uh, like to have some guests on. But uh, also, if you would like to leave some comments, if you want us to read back, please make sure that you give us permission. I just can't do that. We've got some really nice comments in the last couple of weeks, which I sincerely appreciate. But again, cannot say unless you give me permission. And also, Jamal, you had a good idea. Oh, yeah. Write us. Write us um, some, some questions that you have. We're, we're, we're going to work on maybe putting together a segment or every now and again where we read some of those questions off and we answer them. We may give advice. We may, you know, just tell our thoughts on that, uh, on, on the question or the subject matter, but write us. We, we want to hear from you and we want to share um, your thoughts with the world. If you have a point. Might even give you, might even give you an Amazon gift card for the best question. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Jamal, uh, if you want to get a hold of Jamal, it's jamal at startedupinnovation.com. I am Don at don at startedupinnovation.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn. And most uh, notably, again, this podcast comes out every week. So a share, a like, that means so much. And if it really, really wouldn't mean the world to me, also if you wanted to leave an iTunes or a SoundCloud or a Stitcher or a Google Podcast review. Other than that, for Jamal Crook, who just killed it today, I'm Don Westrick, reminding you those opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.